You don't send a Lance Bass to do a Nick Carter's job. It's the horror video game PT this week on Why Boo. You know that. Welcome to Why Do You Know That, the party podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osman. I'm Steve Slaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. You're back. I'm back, baby. How was your trip coming back from Michigan? It was good. Um, it was much better. I think just like having an idea of what to expect and taking a different route where there were things to do really helped. Um, I also, another thing that helped is um, I collected Pokemon on my way back. I downloaded Pokemon Go. <laughs> And Did you just... Pokemon go to the polls, Steve? <laughs> um, I Pokemon I Pokemon went, but I haven't Pokemon gone to the polls yet, but I will. Um, but it was just like, it, to me, it was almost like, you know what? Instead of license plate game, I'm just going to find and catch and hatch Pokemon along the way. And my silly brain thought that there were, what, a hundred pokemon i'll i'll try to get them all as mm -hmm. one is wont to do on my way across but there's like 600 fucking pokemon and it was uh it was a bit overwhelming and as soon as i got back to la i thought like oh here's a new addiction for me and i just immediately dropped it just immediately was like all right well i guess i'm not catching pokemon anymore so i did not get into the addictive nature of pokemon go once i was not on the go Four years after its peak, five years after its peak, mm -hmm. something yeah. like that. Speaking of like five or six years ago, a video game, Vida, just like Vida, <laughs> my best B2B2 yet. Vida, Let's bring Vida. in our guest. He is a writer for Shudder and you've seen him on the Late Late Show with James Corden. Please welcome Greg Smith, a.k.a. Lisa the Vengeful Ghost. Hello, nice to spook you. Uh, Hi, don't kill me. Haha, <laughs> just kidding, I'm already dead. Nice to see Aww. you. No, Greg is well and alive and he is part of our Halloween lineup. We have a whole month of spooky ooky guests coming in to talk about Halloweeny related topics and today we are going to be getting into the video game PT. Yes indeedy. Uh just P just T. That's it. It doesn't stand for anything. Not it sure does. See. It stands for playable teaser. Steven, you and I are both from Michigan, from the That's same area. True. What were what were some uh pure michigan stuff you did when you were home oh my goodness for the well, for the michigan freaks yeah listening. for the for the 248 area codes hell um, yeah well uh 7-eleven had a verner's slurpee um did it like knock you on your ass it was revolting yeah uh yeah it definitely knocked me on my ass in the worst way because verner's is kind of only good when you're sick and home from school yep um and um once in a while when you like think like oh i haven't had verner's in a while that's that's the that's the what verner's is for and i had some better made chips oh yeah and then get this when i drove back from uh, the Detroit area, instead of going down through Indiana and all that, like I did coming back, I went up. So I went all the way to Mackinac and across the UP. Oh, and it beautiful. was beautiful. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. The, the trees were just about to, were just starting to change, which Michigan's known for. I saw the sunset on Lake Michigan as I crossed the Mackinac Bridge. Had no idea. I thought maybe, I don't know, Greg, maybe you feel differently, but I just assumed everybody knew, A, that Michigan was two peninsulas, and B, that they were connected by the Mackinac Bridge. Shocked to find out that everyone doesn't know that. Yeah, I think in my experience, I have had to educate some folks about UP culture in general. Yeah. Like the term UPER. Mm-hmm. Even the fact, like, growing up, it was just a granted that Mackinac Island meant fudge. Yes, just, again, shocked that everyone... Then I come to California, and I'm like, where's Fresno? Um, so I guess, yeah. I guess I can't be too judgmental about people that don't know, but... Yeah. Um, but, hey, if anyone wants to come over for some fudge... I do. Bad COVID. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of... 
trying to transition back in. Shit. Uh, you, you got it. You got it. No, hold on. Hold on. You know, fudge is also. You I mean, got it's it? dark in color. And our topic today is dark in spirit. Be-doo, be-doo, be-doo. <laughs> oh, no, the Segalerts exploded. Oh, uh, no. no. The Greg, the video game PT. Why do you know that? Why do I know this? I know this because, uh, speaking of Michigan, I was first introduced to this game on a Christmas break back home in Michigan, here from LA. And this video game uh, is created and developed by a very interesting kind of motley crew of horror creators. One of them you'll probably know, Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. is one of the developers of the game, of uh, Shape of Water, Shape of Water fame. And then the sort of video game maestro behind it is a guy named Hideo Kojima, right. who uh, is probably best known for the Metal Gear Solid series of games, which are kind of pioneers in like the stealth action genre. They introduced this iconic character called Snake. Um, and beyond the sort of traditional stuff you get out of like an action video game that you get out of Metal Gear Solid, which is like a spy sort of thriller kind of thing, he's known, Kojima's known for being a real weirdo. He's kind of, uh, he's sort of like, uh, he's like an Alejandro Jodorowsky of the video game world. I'm trying to think of like a film director he's like. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Jodorowsky, I highly recommend Jodorowsky's Dune, which shows Mm -hmm. just what a weirdo that guy is. So his stuff like fucks with narrative. It's very meta. There are boss levels in Metal Gear Solid where to win, you have to plug your controller out from player one and plug it into player two. He's interested in messing with the form as much as possible. And as a result, he gets a touch of an uh, of like a provocateur, of like an enfant terrible, other pretentious French names. Uh, he gets a touch of a, like a rebel status in the parent company that sort of bankrolls all this stuff, Konami which is a pretty iconic, famous video game company. And I say all of this because my friends back home in Michigan, one in particular, I'll shout him out, Victor Glenn, hello, is a big fan of Hideo Kojima. And as soon as this game was released, he was like, we all have to play this the moment you come home. And we played it on a very dark, snowstormy night, December-ish, Michigan. Uh, my friends back then lived in a house they called the Boat House, Ooh. which was sort of shaped like a boat. It was sort of set back on the uh, on the lot. It was a very kind of like, you know the basement that they hung out in in that 70s show? Yes. It, it kind of had that vibe. It was a very like Midwest suburban basement. Love a Midwest basement. Yeah. Ugh, Nadia, and, you don't know what you're missing growing up without basements and friends I know base, if you grow up in Cali- at friends houses oh growing up in California you don't have attics or basements you have detached garages or the garage and sometimes people turn that space into what would be a basement it becomes like a playroom rumpus hmm. room den situation so I had a couple friends who had parents who had done that and my family was not that we used the garage for cars which is very boring <laughs> and dull and I longed for like what if we had like a secret room or somewhere we could escape to that was up above or down below and nope nope mm -mm, not a thing uh did you when you went to friends with rumpus rooms did you kind of like go harder than you should have to like cathartically get (laughs) some of that out do you know what I mean a little bit. That was definitely like I remember watching Blair Witch Project in one of these, Spooky. Uh, like in ninth grade or something. And it was it definitely had the vibe of I am in a Midwestern basement watching this. Uh, and certainly because it was eighth or ninth grade or whenever it was, uh, it also had a little bit of the Pen Fifteen vibe of when they go to watch Wild Things, where mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of young kids lined up on a couch, uh, all kind of looking at each other, like who's gonna make out versus be spooky and then the one class clown just being like that's fake it's not real oh this is stupid you know what was what was your role 
Yeah, I what was were the quiet. I was the quiet, sarcastic one. So mm. I, I think I was still trying to figure out exactly who I was. So there was a lot of just me being like, "I'm in a rumpus room. I'm just gonna <laughs> enjoy. I'm just gonna enjoy this." <laughs> Even in her tweens, Nadia was, was already just nailing the Nadia game. <laughs> I don't want to cause too much, you know, ruffle any feathers. I'm just gonna enjoy this rumpus room. Anyway, okay, so dark and stormy, snowy night, and you're in the rumpus room slash Midwestern basement of your friend. You go to play this game. We play this game. They, uh, so my boy Victor and some of the other people who live there, still were in Michigan full-time, had already played it, and they were like, here you go, Greg, and they handed me the PlayStation 4 controller. And I consume a lot of spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm pretty gosh darn not desensitized, but like when I experience something spooky, when I watch a horror film or play even another horror video game, it's more of a there's like a sense of professional admiration. There's a sense of enjoying the craft, enjoying how they are trying to scare me, almost like I'm at a museum. And then when it's done, my brain's kind of like, that was fun. Good junk. Mm-hmm. This game, more than any recent horror thing, f- fucked me up. <gasps> I could not sleep that night. I was up all night, like fucking heart beating. And because it affected me so gosh darn much in that moment, when I was trying to sleep, you know, in my childhood room, four in the morning, uh, the window above my bed, which growing up, I was always convinced the ghost was there, casting a ghostly light on me. I just pulled out my iPhone and I just poured a ton of research time into PT. I was just like, I have to figure this out right now. Right. And there is a ton of enigmatic stuff open to interpretation both within the game and interestingly outside of the game down to the fact that it's called playable teaser Mm -hmm. uh and since then it's just been i haven't played it since then and that's part of the weird story behind this game but um i watched someone play through it on youtube today just to get it back in my bones and it still kind of fucked me up and i'm like how does this game still have this much power when i know so much about how it's built and it's just kind of it's fascinated me as the one spooky thing that like really works you know i watched a playthrough of it as well and i don't do i love scary movies and i i have never been able to transfer what i love about scary movies i'm too much of a baby to play scary video games my brother had resident evil and resident evil 2 and i would my idea of like a good scare was to just watch my brother play. Anytime yeah. he would like hand the controller to me, I'd be like, absolutely not. Same with like, uh, um, I would go over to Betsy and Mono's and they would play the Friday the 13th game. Yeah. Also, love to watch, absolutely no interest in playing it. And uh, that's how I felt. Five Nights at Freddy's, like I downloaded yeah. it and was like, no, too spooky. Um, so like, I can't imagine actually playing it. It just seems too scary. Yeah, uh, I think Vice is the one that said five years later, it's nearly impossible to play horror classic PT. Um, this particular story was about one guy trying to uh, play the game, but like the idea that it is still so much more terrifying than anybody realized uh, fascinates me because as a person who didn't grow up playing video games and as a person who also doesn't really like horror all that much, True. you know what? I well the thing is I like horror as a genre. I respect it. I admire it. Do I enjoy it? I don't know because I don't like being scared. I don't like being scared freaks me out. I do, I'm not a big fan of like uh, the other year I went to Halloween Horror Nights um back when we used to be outside and we were able to do things like that and I deliberately went in an attempt to be like, let's get over this fear of getting scared. And every house that I stepped into, I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Why did I do this? Why did I do this? This is terrified. I hate this. And nothing was even happening. It was just like a guy in a costume popping up behind a black lit wall, 
But my brain immediately went to that anticipatory fear space. And it does that with even like psychological thrillers, like something like Silence of the Lambs, which isn't necessarily horror, but, uh, you know, as part of the genre compared to, say, like, I don't know, The Exorcist or something. But I, I my brain just goes there. And even though I love things like The Shining, there's definitely less space in my brain for something like a horror game like PT. So for me, I'm sitting here watching uh, not just you guys talk about it, but reading all the stuff about it in the research for this and going, wow, everybody kind of unanimously agrees that this game is horrifying. Can I ask what your walking strategy was for the Horror Night Houses? Oh, it was uh, be in the middle of the group that I was with and then uh, always have somebody in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that person, I apologize to later. I was like, I'm so sorry. I grabbed you so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I grabbed you to hold on to like you were a guardrail. Like, it's somebody trying to roller skate and just hanging onto the edge of the wall. Like, that's sort of what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of just kept my eyes peeled and tried not to look back too much so that somebody would see, you know. You also, the trick uh, on top of that, I, I worry that your kind of what you were putting out physically was m- also making you more of a target for the absolutely. Uh, scare oh, actors. yeah. No, I, this is definitely a case of like, if I were some sort of prey, the predator would have eaten me that <laughs> night. Like there was no way, shape or form that I was putting out. A, I'm not scared of you. I'm going to camouflage or put up my spikes or whatever else animals do in the animal kingdom in order to ward off predators. Like, no, 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 no. Would have been eaten instantly. I think you'd have spikes. I think if we transferred you into the animal kingdom, your defense, I think you would definitely, I think you would, you would have spikes. I think you'd be porcupine. Like I do feel like a hedgehog is closest (laughs) to what I am. Like I, I, as far as animals go, I I love otters. I always have since I was a kid and, and I felt very akin to the otter, but I also go like, am I an otter? I'm I'm an otter with spikes, which is what a hedgehog is. Porcupine. I mean, among among a few other key differences, yes, a <laughs> hedgehog is an otter with spikes. Wait, what? What animal? What animal is everybody? <laughs> it, specifically, as it relates to being a prey, or yeah, 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 like yeah, specifically as it relates to being a prey. I think. I would identify the most with like a chameleon-esque sort of thing. Mm. I feel like my strategy for predators would be to just be quiet and to just blend in. Mm -hmm. And then like when they like walk by me or whatever, not noticing me, I reveal my friggin' vampire bat fangs and I just chomp them. (laughs) So I'm a chameleon, I'm a chameleon bat. That's good. I feel like Steve's a turtle. Like oh. Steve would hide into the shell, maybe. Uh, close. Um, I was gonna go with prairie dog. Oh yeah, Ooh. good. Also hiding. Also yes. hiding. I I've got my. This. I can run home and just stay there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't and come then... in. You can't get there. Yeah. Is that a very? <laughs> is that a Michigan thing? Do you think? Because talking about the story of playing PT in like Midwestern basements, truly growing up. I was le- I-, I would go to friends' rumpus rooms, go to movie nights and stuff like that. The truly safest and most comfortable I felt was like in my basement, like controlling my little yeah. environment. You know, I think I I think that makes sense having the luxury of having a Midwest basement, and especially like because we had a lot of. Uh, you know, tornadoes or severe Very storms, true. and uh, you you're supposed to go into the basement. So the basement really is the kind of the bunker. The basement is the bunker of the house. I never thought of it. I was terrified growing up of tornadoes. Same, terrified. same. They do the the news really does a number on you as a child to make you think that like. And the movie Twister, like as soon as there's a tornado warning, it's like, well, the whole block's going. <laughs> Speaking of horrifying things uh, that nece- that shouldn't necessarily be involved. So the idea is that uh, Hideo Kojima uh, wanted PT to be a new game in the long-running yet dormant Silent Hill franchise. Um, and he got uh, Guillermo del Toro, 
whom absolutely would throw in a tornado into a space movie just because that's the kind of thing that that guy would do. Um, he, uh, Guillermo del Toro is involved. Uh, and Junji Ito, who is a huge Japan horror yeah. fella. Um, and it was supposed to be this thematic intro that would eventually be Silent Hills, and then it got canceled. Do you know about this, or do you have any insight into this? I absolutely do. So this game... When it was originally released as just a downloadable game on the PlayStation Store, it there was no indication that it had anything to do with Silent Hills or Silent Hill, the franchise. Um, it was just called PT. The cover, I'm looking at it right now, is like this weird sort of tranquil like forest scape. And just PT. And it's released by this studio... That's just a 7780S studio. Mm-hmm. No indication that it's Konami, no indication it's Kojima, no nothing. And when you start it, you just, it plops you into this uh, hallway with no, and even to get to the point where you realize it is a playable teaser for Silent Hills, you have to solve these purposefully obtuse, difficult completely non-intuitive puzzles so um, non-intuitive that's yeah. what i wanted to ask you because watching the trailer or watching the walkthrough i was like how did how did anyone how did greg figure out how to do any of this so the way greg figured it out was that victor told me what to do because he had played <laughs> it before <laughs> but uh when the game first came out fan kojima has like a really intense fan base and so many people poured over how to try and figure out how to end this game. And people have been watching some of these kind of older YouTube videos. There technically is a way to figure out what you are supposed to do embedded in some of the games. There are moments when the game glitches and gives you random text. If you take this text and you kind of decode it and put it in a certain order, it can lead you to the things you have to do to get the Silent Hills teaser. Um, Is all of this enigmatic stuff why Konami fires Kojima? Why the Silent Hill franchise is canceled? I think it's part of it. I think it's a huge part of it. I think they kind of wanted a... They wanted a gimme from Kojima. They wanted him to like slow down and just like give us a normal Silent Hill game, please. Mm-hmm. Because the most recent game that he made for them, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, he was like spending so much money for that studio, and he was making such weird decisions to the point where the game that comes out, people are like, "This is an unfinished game, right?" And Kojima's like, "No, nah, it's what I wanted to do." So I think this sort of ongoing creative financial aesthetic thematic frisher which you could sort of describe as like you know it's uh the the imaginative creator versus the money strings pulling studio it's that classic battle right eventually leads to kojima getting fired konami canceling the silent hills game and one step of vindication even further they remove pt from the playstation store Right. It's now really, really, really difficult to find. Uh, it's in such high demand. You can find uh, it on eBay for like up to $1,800, yeah. I think. Something like that. Probably even higher now. And you have to buy PlayStation 4 consoles that happen to have the game installed. Right. Which is just such a like... Konami must have hated Hideo Kojima so much. Because they're just like choosing to throw revenue away. Yeah. So like pull this. It just doesn't make sense to me. There's it there's definitely popularity for it. Uh yeah. and then this one guy that I alluded to earlier, he like he, uh who wanted to play the game, it became this obsession. Uh he didn't have any luck and it just the fact that it's it's as baffling as the game itself to me, that they would take it away and just basically say, Now nah, we're not going to, you know, print money (laughs) yeah and people have maybe this guy did it too people have like made fan remakes and like upgraded video game engines but by and large they've all been found out by konami and sent cease and desists and and shut down yeah i was gonna ask have you played any of the fan remakes 
I have not. This is the one, like, you know, 2014 or 2015 was the one time I've actually played it. I think that adds to the lore, though, the idea of it being so hard to get now and being basically erased. Like, yep. who knows if Silent Hills had... Part of why PT is so incredible is because of this lore behind it, for sure. The extra textual kind of like mythology behind it. But the game itself works so well because it has such a limited scope. Because it literally is structured... You're just walking through one hallway again and again, right? Yeah. And I, we have kind of seen what, hap what Silent Hills could have been in the new game Death Stranding, which um, after Kojima is fired from Konami, he gets released from his deal. Silent Hills gets canceled. He starts his own independent video game company with Norman Reedus, who is supposed to be the star of Silent Hills, with Guillermo del Toro, who helped develop Silent Hills. They make this new game called Death Stranding, where mm -hmm. Kojima is just allowed to let his freak flag fly, right? And this game, which I have not played yet, but from what I've heard, it's a mixed bag at best. It's very weird. It's structured on like weird, unplayable unintuitive kind of mechanics it's very boring at times and it's kind of like maybe he needed that push and pull from konami maybe like you said maybe this game getting canceled and the mythology behind it is exactly what this property needs because when he's left to his own devices it sort of gets too big and floats away a thing I think about a lot is limitation breeds creativity yeah. meaning if you don't have the thing, you will figure out another way to do this and you'll probably come up with something that's a little bit better even. Not necessarily. Sometimes you need the money or the space or the person or whatever to make that vision come to life. But generally speaking, not everything needs to be a ballooned budget. Not everything needs to be top of the line. You can do a lot with a little. And in the case of this game, it seems like they're doing a lot with very little because as far as the gameplay goes, it's like you're in this creepy suburban house. You're playing in first person perspective. You walk around the house. So it's not like you're going from uh, set piece to set piece like a, a bigger video game might be where you're going from level to level and uh, experiencing all this other stuff, you know, the way you would uh, like a Nintendo game or something. Um, you are in one location the entire time and everything's just a little bit off right and uh we've got that ghost lisa a different ghost named lisa not greg's lisa ghost that we alluded to earlier yeah i should ghost. say this the reason he got fired was because i sued him for using <laughs> my likeness my name my backstory. Oh, man you really buried the lead i know buried uh, <laughs> i mean when nadia said why do you know that that would have been a perfect time to say that oh to say i sued them yeah <laughs> but you know i'm glad that you buried the lead I guess we could uh, walk through the door and start the loop over again. I could start with that. <laughs> that does make it to me like that. That is what makes it so creepy is every time you go back to that door, just knowing like, oh, is this going to be like what what's going to be different? Or like, is this the time that like you, it, it it just it really works for me in terms of like adding to like a creepiness factor of what well, is it going to be a little thing? Are, are there going to be cockroaches again? Like, is it going to be red now? Is it going to be back to normal? And every time it's just something a little bit different here. Like, Oh God, Oh God, what else? Right. 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 So, uh, Greg, since you've played the game, can you explain sort of once you're in this house, what is the loop and, and how do you get out of this loop, etc.? So, um, you're playing an unnamed protagonist. Um, there are theories about who this person actually is. Uh, you walk through this corridor of a suburban house, and you start in this like kind of nondescript gray industrial concrete kind of room. And when you walk through it, it's like a dark, stormyish suburban house night. There are things around you like a bathroom door, a staircase, a chandelier. Family photos, a phone hanging off the hook, a clock that has a time that's not a real time. And 
the more once you get to the end of the corridor you open that door walk through and you're in that gosh darn same concrete room again and you open the door and you're in that gosh darn same hallway again and as you keep moving through this hallway the revelation of a really horrific crime and trauma that has taken place in this house starts to present itself uh you hear it on the radio first it's that a father killed his wife and his daughter before killing himself and the radio even alludes that this is happening in other homes in this area the silent hills maybe um and as you keep walking and restarting this loop more details clues indictments revelations that maybe you're responsible kind of come to fruition oh my god or at least that's the way i theorized it i okay. thought it was because in the silent hill franchise i think it's silent hill 2 uh there is also a big plot twist where it's revealed that you the character were responsible for the horrific thing to happen and the game is sort of your punishment to reckon with your sin for the rest of your life that's kind of how i took this narrative this game and things start to happen like the radio will deliver the details of the crime nondescriptly and then suddenly add in like a weird edgy like and they deserve to die kind of thing random numbers will appear for no reason cockroaches will crawl out of the wall uh the scariest thing when i watched this playthrough today it was so funny they kind of like sped through it mm -hmm. they got through it in like 20 minutes yeah. when i first when i first played it i remember i walked through one loop and just like a window fell down in front of me Pachunk! and i literally put the controller down <laughs> <laughs> and like stood up and walked away for a sec just to like collect my bearings it it took me like hours to, to finish but it's all these weird little small disquieting things that keep adding up to each other eventually heightening to the room goes entirely red suddenly you're running for no reason you find a disgusting fetus in the sink of the bathroom you peep through a hole and realize that this father cut his wife open and took that fetus out and put it in the sink in the bathroom you gouge out the eye of a picture kind of without knowing that's what you are doing and the way to kind of trigger these advancements is through a series of very hard to put together puzzles where it's like i remember one is like messages start getting written on the walls and one of them says hello and the other one says, like, I am stuck in. And the way to solve this puzzle is you keep looking back and forth at those two messages until the letters from hello move to I am stuck in to spell I am stuck in hell. And then, like, the moment that comes out, a fridge falls from the ceiling and it's filled with blood. And it's such a disquieting, simple, but not simple way to design a horror game. And it's just... It's just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fucked up stuff that happens in this game. And this game is also this thing where it's not, you know, you think about if you're going to compare it to other mediums, this is almost more like a short story or a novella. Yes. As a game, because it's not really a totally finished thing. You just kind of know sort of what's happening at the end, but there's not like a lot of lore. This isn't a Skyrim. This isn't a Zelda where you're like expounding on and, uh, building more out of it slash like figuring out oh this is more to know about this world uh this is a th and it's not even like an animal crossing where you're building it's not like you're building this haunted house uh this house exists and there's a bunch of fucked up shit in it and you're supposed to figure out what happened but it's uh, you know it's short ish on the short ish side yeah so it's interesting to me how much it scared you given that it is not a thing that you played over several weeks. Um, the Last of Us 2, that's the name of the game. Yeah, the most recent one, yeah. The most recent one, uh, a lot of people said, was like both depressing and haunting, but also very beautiful. And like, you know, they were moved by it. But it's a thing that took a minute to play. Like, you can't just do that one in a day. This is a game you could probably play in a night and yeah. then be fucked up from for weeks. 
And it's funny you mentioned that because Kojima designed the puzzles to be unplayable, to be unintuitive. And he said somewhere like, I expected people to figure this out in a week. I expected it to take a week to find all of PT stuff. And some intrepid internet user did it the very first night of its release. And I have no idea how they did that because these puzzles are so... So almost, fr I, I was glad I had Victor next to me because if I had played it on my own, I think I would have given up halfway yeah, through. Yeah, the, the playthrough I watched had like what you needed to do. And as I like continued through the 20 minutes of it, I realized like, man, how this takes 20 minutes doing everything right. <laughs> and it's things like go look at the clock, then go back around the corner where it's like how you that, that would just have to happen how many times that must have just happened randomly where somebody just happens to be fumbling around trying to figure out what to do and now the door's open, but they don't know it's because they looked at the clock. It's because they've just been wandering around this one hallway for hours. And that kind of, again, that adds to its weird mystique, yeah. its legend. And it's sort of partially because it's first person, uh, whereas all the other Silent Hill games are third person, you're just really immersed in this like psychological weapon of destruction it's like you're you can't escape it you're always in the present tense even as you're repeating the past over and over again yeah and it's there's a fridge hanging from the ceiling that's full of blood that's yeah. messed up that's yeah. just like i i, I don't want to say i haven't seen that in a horror film but like when i think about the brain that invented that, I go, oh, no. Just like, I don't know why that's the one detail that fucked me up even more than, say, like the fetus. I think yeah. because those are things make, oh, maybe I'd expect to see that in a horror film. But the fact that there's like a crying baby inside of a bloody fridge that is above you. How are you supposed to figure that out in the game? Let alone then like just processing what that is and then going, but why is it here? What am I supposed to do to solve this problem? Like, how is this related to the puzzles that I'm supposed to solve? It's just, like, designed to freak you the fuck out. Yeah, and I think the reason that scare gets under your skin and the reason this game got under my skin more than Arisen and Evil or even another Silent Hill game, while this game, it obviously has a big old ghost in it, and it's obviously surreal and not of this tangible world in a, in a way, but... The fundamental horror and the fundamental trauma is very real. Yeah, It's very like the safe domestic space being invaded. Yes. It's a fridge, which is normally supposed to nourish us. A womb, which is normally supposed to nourish us. Getting cut open, corrupted, killed in such a like... And the motivation for the killing, which the radio broadcast eventually reveals, is like sort of what we see right-wing talking head people say today it's like i'm tired of society giving out handouts when i have to work and not and i'm i'm still struggling and i'm tired of like the the daily monotony of life and i'm gonna freak the fuck out and do this horrible thing yeah it's definitely a game that unlike a lot of games where there's supernatural elements or a lot of other video games that are you know like the entire mario thing is just an Italian plumber is going to save a princess <laughs> from a big dinosaur. Like on That's how they when, pitched it, too. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I don't know. Is this anything? It's like a 3 a.m. thing. And like, we have to go. We have to give them something. <laughs> um, but the fact is that so many other games aren't necessary. There's definitely games that are based in real life. There's definitely a lot of games that are like, um, oh, what's the game that I'm thinking of? That's just like, uh, it, it's for PC. And it's like. Uh, figure out uh, what happened on this old man's life as he's uh, on missed. a boat. Yes, that kind of thing. Like, like, there's there's plenty of games grounded in reality, including one of my favorites, which is Untitled Goose Game, which is literally just fuck with the villagers. The end. Hell but, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. I love fucking with those villagers. But at the same time, this is so grounded in reality that it's it almost has this opposite effect where you, despite like ghostly elements and a little bit of the supernatural, uh, the fact remains that it plays out much closer to reality. And I wonder how much of that adds to its horniness and its lore in your guys' opinions. 
for me, it adds a lot to it. I uh, I tend to be when I experience something explicitly supernatural, I tend to be able to find it just fun a little mm -hmm. more, like a conjuring, let's say. But mm -hmm. when it is truly like fucked up humans doing fucked up things to each other in a safe domestic space, that's when I really start to kind of like get freaked out. And the fact that you are doing it or you're reckoning with it or finding it just adds to it. And part of that is Kojima himself um, has gone on record saying that he's not a fan of horror stuff, that he was reticent to take on Silent Hill because he was like, I get scared too easily. Mm -hmm. And he said he ultimately thought that a horror game made by someone who is scared of the game they're making would yield better results. They would come up with different things. And I think maybe him being afraid helps him reach this kind of real elevated place of horror. Yeah, I like that. That makes me think like, you know, who could design a really good Halloween Horror Nights house would be Nadia. Very as true. Opposed to, like, <laughs> just because like, and nothing against nothing against those haunted houses or anything. But, you know, I've been to those events and I've always felt like, you know, the first one is always really scary for me. But then it's kind of like, all right, now I get it. Now I yeah. know there's going to be dark curtains. And that always means somebody's going to pop out of there. Now I know that this means that. And if you go in a room where there's the like, I feel like there's about eight or nine tricks that once I've gone through one or two of these houses, they're just not as scary because I know what I'm looking for. Whereas if somebody like Nadia designed one who who didn't kind of have the blueprints in her brain of like, this is what you do to create one of these haunted houses, it probably yeah. would be scarier because, you know, Nadia could be like, oh, I'm going to put stuff on the floor and I'll be like, I'm never looking at the floor. Ah, <laughs> Absolutely. There'd definitely be a lot more like things popping up from various prop settings and maybe just a moment where you're the whole point is you are in a room for like five minutes and you have to wait there so Ooh, just like to, that uh that psychological experiment yeah yeah mm. just to build tension and even if nothing happens like just shadows just weird shit just to fuck with you because that's the kind of stuff that does terrify me and that's always what i think is going to happen going into these things and it's not it's just like a dude named dan who's getting paid you know uh an equitable rate i hope to jump out and uh to, and scare me all night long like he's not i figured <laughs> but you know what he loves his he loves his job he loves his That's he, good. he loves his seasonal job and uh and he, so yeah good for dan has some flexibility he can go on auditions and stuff. exactly he's only he's you know he's only working nights Listen, I worked at a theme park, and had I thought at the time that I had what it took to uh, uh, be in the parade or character stuff at Disneyland, I would have auditioned, and I could have been one of those people that says, hey, I uh, I played, you know, Belle or whatever, and uh, interacted with all the children, but speaking as somebody who worked in a theme park, uh, props to Dan for putting up with everybody. That's, Big shout that's out to how Dan. We love Big you, buddy. Big shout out. We strong. love you, Dan. <laughs> hey, Dan. Hey, Dan, if you're listening, you're going to get through this. I know things have been tough. Um, it's hard, man. It's hard right now, Dan. But you know what? We believe in you, Dan. We believe in you. He's just um, hiding in, like, different doors around his house, jumping out of them, <laughs> being like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing this year. It's He's just keeping DNA. sharp. He's just keeping sharp. You got to keep like, the tool belt sharp. You yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't get rusty. You can't get ring rest, as they say in wrestling. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so in thinking about how he constructed this game, um, is there something that you feel like goes too far? Like it, like you said, Greg yourself, that it spooked the shit out of you, and that you had trouble going to sleep that night, and it haunted you for a long time, and still does, probably to some extent. Uh, what, if any specific moment, is the moment that made you go? No. Besides that other moment where you put down your controller, was there any well, that... other part of the game that made you just go like, <laughs> fuck, like yes. genuinely terrified, especially with your friends there? Yes. Um, the jump scare stuff of it, where I like put my controller down and I was like, or I would have to like, I remember I started singing at some points 
mm-hmm. when I knew a jump scare was coming, I'd just be like walking down the hallway playing PT, <laughs> just to kind of like get through it. That's like fun. The just moment do it a haunted house next time, I should just yeah. be like, here I am in the haunted house. <laughs> Look over there. Hey, it's Dan. <laughs> they would not know how to. <laughs> Dan would be like, he'd write in his diary that night. Your diary, I fucked up. Someone threw me a curveball. I didn't hit it. I, I'm going to do better tomorrow. Um, okay, so you're, you had to sing to yourself. Yes. Those okay. moments were fun. Uh-huh. The one moment where I was like, this has like broken my brain, is... Um, there's a moment in the game where you, you're normally just walking at kind of a slow pace, and then suddenly everything is red and blurry, and you run. And all of the pictures turn into eyeballs that are like turning around and stuff. And the way the puzzle works, I think, is you have to run until one picture disappears, and there's a peephole there. And when you look through the peephole, uh, you don't actually see anything. It's just the bathroom, just like a wall. You can't really see what's going on. The radio voice comes in again, and this time, instead of being any of that veneer of like, I'm just reporting the facts, he starts getting into like venomous stuff about like these people with their welfare checks and asking for handouts. Uh, Enough is enough. We have to punish them. And over this, you hear, gosh, whoever this voice actor was, they put in their work, you hear a woman, ostensibly Lisa, the mom who was murdered, like scream in anguish, and you hear her get graphically stabbed, and you hear her, from my read of it, get cut open, and you hear whoever did it take the baby out and plop it into the sink. Oh. And then when you step away from the people, the hallway is normal again. And that sequence literally seeing nothing just sound and like a a wall through a people fucked me up there are moments like that in pt i can't really say for sure how many i missed because i was watching a, a walk through as opposed to playing it but like when you're not being scared by what the game is presenting to you you're being horrified that at any moment something big is good like that that the the equivalent of like the zombies bursting through the wall is going to happen so there's no rest there's no feeling like there's no moment of all right let me gather my bearings it's constantly being like what's gonna like what's gonna pop out like every time you turn a corner every time you oh when the lights go out and you have a flashlight it's like oh i'm tapping out Do you want to know something really scary about that flashlight moment? What's that? So through the game, if you fuck up enough, the ghost of Lisa appears directly in front of you in a huge jump scare. And her face is like jittering and she's her eye is gouged out and she's got like vomit coming out of her mouth. And then it kicks you to the front of the game. Most of the people were like, it's just randomly triggered. I don't know how they did it. Somebody hacked into the game and sort of was able to zoom out and see the camera, like from a sort of God's eye perspective, from the moment you get the flashlight, Lisa the ghost is literally following you. Oh my the God. The entire game. Oh my God. That's terrifying. <laughs> so there were moments in the game when like you hear a weird sound and you're like, what? And you turn around and nobody's there. From this God's eye perspective, you can see it's Lisa doing something. And when your character turns around, she just turns around with you. It's so mm. scary. Yeah, I, I don't. Hate, I, mm, hate I don't like that. that. Oh, <laughs> fucking kidding out. me! <laughs> so now I can, no, because now like, how do you play that again, knowing that anytime you have the flashlight, she's right behind you? Actually, that might make it easier for me to play because it's like, well, she can't pop out because she's behind me. Like, I can't. She can't but surprise. If, if you fuck me. up randomly, but you there true. she is. Uh, yeah. I think what's really fascinating about this game is um, uh, both Eurogamer and Polygon had reviewers that wrote basically this main theme of mental anguish being the cyclical thing and the idea of like family trauma and domestic violence and the duality of like how this stuff repeats itself. The cyclical nature of trauma. 
which I think is really fascinating to delve into specifically in a video game because it's not a medium in which you tend to see that kind of thing. And it's it's not just to me very forward thinking, especially for, you know, the, you have to think it took them a minute to create this game. So let's say 2012-ish is when they're like really brainstorming beating this out um, to discuss that, but also to discuss it in this like horrifically graphic way, or at least it builds towards that. It starts small and builds towards that. Really, to me, matches what it's like for people to discover family trauma in their own family tree or to find out, oh no, so a friend of mine had to go through this. And as you build through uh, a relationship with somebody, friendship, family, otherwise romantic, like you, you start to put the pieces together and go, oh no, this is why you are the way that you are. Uh, and of course, this is doing it with a much bloodier gorier version but at the same time there's just something like very very almost poetic about that that's kind of the beauty i think of video games as a medium because you can see as many movies and television shows and read as many books trying to as subjectively and as immersively as possible put you through psychologically what it's like to be caught in trauma But until Mm -hmm. you're literally doing it and literally in a level that makes you do it over and over again, that is just such an elegant, like, smart, smart as hell way to put somebody psychologically there. It's like a video games are like can be used as a tool for pure empathy. Yes. Even when they're scaring the fuck out of you. (laughs) So as we know, this is a playable teaser and uh, and you um, eventually at the end of the teaser when you find out oh silent hills and you see norman reedus uh who just really has a lock on uh post-apocalyptic just being norman reedus while the world burns (laughs) um good for him um what would you what what do you think the rest of the game would have been now that we've seen now that we know the teaser this was the teaser how do you think the rest of the game would have like what would your ideal rollout have been for like do you think it's a lot more um do you think there would have been a lot of the uh the same kind of stuck in a in a claustrophobic space like you kind of go from puzzle place to puzzle place or do you think once you got out of that house it would have been more open-ended um in terms of puzzles and the claustrophobic feeling like what would your ideal how would you have liked to see silent hills go it's a good question because that ending moment doesn't give us a lot to go on he he if you are playing as norman reedus uh you get out of that house you walk into the outside for once even though it's still kind of dark and snowy he looks around and that's kind of it the phone call sort of alludes to more of this is coming so i think i don't think i would have liked to see a single time looping hallway level in silent hills i think pt is such a pure expression of that idea that like to revisit it would just be redundant and maybe that's you know the point but i think because a lot of what i love about the first silent hill game is wandering outside through this kind of like foggy um atmospheric can't really see what's going on sort of thing and then eventually discovering the sort of traumas of this town so if there's a way to kind of merge that more open-ended exploratory feeling with some of the the tone of pt the domestic horrors of pt the once you're in the house it's claustrophobic once you're in the house surrealism starts creeping i think that would be the perfect intersection and i think that a lot of the other silent hill games have literal monsters um, there's a very famous one called Pyramid Head, whose mm-hmm. head is a pyramid, as you might imagine. I would love to see this Silent Hills kind of commit to not too many monsters. Because like you were saying about Resident Evil, once the zombies break through, it's like, okay, there are zombies now. I know what zombies are. Mm-hmm. Zombies are fun. They're of another world. If it could have kept it in more of a 
Like the other video game I keep coming back to is Heavy Rain, which is sort of about very real serial killer, domestic violence kind of horrors and traumas. If it could have started from that place and not gone much further surreally, other than what we sort of explored in PT, and have it be a little more of a grounded entry in that genre, um, I think that really could have been something, but we'll never friggin' know. I do know that, and I wonder if it was influenced by PT, Resident Evil, like Silent Hills, had a third-person perspective until number seven, when it switched to a first-person, which I always kind of wondered, like, were they biting off PT a little bit? Yeah, kind of definitely. Uh, Masachika Kawata, I'm fucking that name up. I'm so sorry. He's one of the producers of the game, and he said the game was always going to have a first-person point of view even before anybody played PT, Mm. but then he also admitted he really loved PT, and it's very easy to see how Kojima influenced Resident Evil 7, apparently, because there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of overlap. Is Resident Evil 7 the one where you're, like, trapped in a farmhouse? That might be the new one that's coming out. Okay, I just remember... Maybe. I just know that, like, there is one where you're, like, trapped in a house and, like, the family's trying to eat you. Um, You know, you might be right, actually. I'm looking at the synopsis. I think you're right. What do you think is sort of the future of horror video games? It's a good question. I'm very excited for the new Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. Um, I think VR is going to be a huge and is a huge sort of frontier in horror gaming. Mm -hmm. It's just like the next level of immersion of like um, scaring the heck out of people. Yeah, Yeah, it's horrifying in in and of itself. You're not just like playing the hallway. You're in the hallway. The idea of playing PT in VR, I just don't think I could do it. Do you think that they moved away from the PT house? Or was like, as you keep going through this hallway, the person who lives there is like, hey, get out of here. I'm trying to sleep. What the hell are you? Yeah, I get it. It's a haunted murder house. I'm living with it. It's fine. Do you think there's an earlier... Do you think there's an earlier brainstorm where they were like, what if a realtor has to sell you the house? (laughs) What if Lisa's a realtor? What if she's just like, I'm just trying to flip this house, baby. (laughs) No, 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 no. This bri- this is antiquing on the walls, the blood that's on the walls, and You're- these roaches are just part of its rustic charm. You're watching PT on HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> the property brothers come in, and they're like, we're going to redo this house, but we don't know what's going to happen. And then one of them just gets, like, sucked into... Uh, At first, yeah. At first, it was walls. a struggle. Because Horace got stuck in a in a hell purgatory. But I think we'll figure it out with a little bit of upsplash that this could be a nice kitchen after all. All right, Lisa, come on in. Now, I know you're a ghost, but you'll get to experience your brand new island right in the middle. That Look how much space has opened up. This open floor plan. Move that fetus. <laughs> Just the House Hunters episode where they're like, hey, let's let's check out the PT house. <laughs> they're like, um, can we see the other room? Oh, you sure can see the other room. But before, the only way to get that door unlocked is to walk back and forth between this wall and this wall about seven times. And then the door will automatically open for you. Well, I think we're going to switch that with a deadbolt, if that's okay with you. I was a little disappointed because um, rem- you guys remember Lance Bass really, really wanted to buy the PT oh, house. Oh, yes, the Brady but then, yeah, But then HGTV came in and yeah. uh, stole it right out from under him. Nobody will, yes. nobody will let Lance Bass do anything. No, you want to be let, an astronaut? Yeah. Let Lance Bass do stuff. Let him buy a house or go to space or something. The poor man. <laughs> Lance of Bass those is stuck in options. PT purgatory just like... <laughs> I'm saying Jareth into the microphone. It's not ending. Help. <laughs> you put the, the, they do a re, a, uh, a reboot of PT and all you hear is everybody. <laughs> you hear a Backstreet, Backstreet Boys song. Backstreet Boys, Boys. Yeah, it's shit, shit. No, 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 no. I mean, I I'm get so- it. 
No, here's the thing is that song, everybody, that music video is is like the spooky monster video. So I get where your brain was with that because that is the right pop song to put into our version of the PT house for HGTV. It's just the wrong boy band member. So I yes. think what we do is we switch out Lance Bass for Nick Carter, but we keep the song. <laughs> do you feel like Guillermo del Toro, because he was involved in making a PT, would somehow try to figure out a rights buying situation to make a film based on PT? My heart wants to say yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like because Guillermo del Toro has so many kind of passion projects that he just can't get made for whatever reason. Right, like the Mountains of Madness film, etc. Yeah, I feel like it's just, it's the kind of property where, I guess I'm of two minds of it. My first cynical mind is like, this is the kind of property that for 5% of the country, we're going to love it 100%. Mm-hmm. And the Konamis of the world, the studios of the world are just like, who is this for? Who wants this? Yeah. But on the other hand, we have 8 million streaming services. <laughs> right. These streaming services need shit. There is a built-in fan base, a pretty feverish fan base for PT. It's also one location. It's one location, one actor, one ghosty. Get on this, Bloomhouse. Yeah. And honestly, I'm just going to shoot my shot. If anyone's listening, I'm an experienced horror writer and director. I've written for Shudder. I will direct. Gimo, if you don't want to direct it, if you just want to produce, have a vacation, I will happily write and direct the PT movie for Amazon Prime or whatever. Yeah, honestly, Greg would be excellent at this. We're going to put this out into the universe. I have worked with Greg many a time. He's an excellent director, uh, and he loves horror like nobody's business. So uh, making the PT movie, to me, feels like an absolute no-brainer. But at the same time, I can also see the who is this for argument because... Is this for uh, a regular horror fan base? Are they going to find this interesting? Uh, Or how do you translate this? Because there's a reason that it was created in this medium and not on stage. Exactly. Uh, Because there are things you can do in a video game medium that you can't do in a a written medium or a visual one. I have one request for this PT film adaptation, though. You got to hire Dan. He's worked so hard. The thing is... Who do I cast Dan as? He could we, be we like one an, of the roaches. It could be like a cat's thing where the roaches are human now. I want to give Dan this win. I want Dan to be like the roaches in Tom Hooper's masterpiece Cats. Mm-hmm. Will um, people support this vision? Will I have a Kojima-esque break with the studio? Yes. You know, I don't know if I can like risk this much on Dan. I want Dan to take the initiative himself. Do you know All what right, I mean? That's Dan's fair. not looking for, uh, and I'm sorry to, to act like I can speak for Dan, but I don't think he's looking for fame or glory or necessarily like a starring role. I think if you give Dan the opportunity to make some creaking noises mm. and um, some... Uh, 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 kind of stuff i think and and that stuff comes off as scary i don't think dan's gonna necessarily be upset he wasn't in it or wasn't featured a lot i think if he's responsible for some really good scares he's gonna be very happy so um and just to be clear when i hire dan to do science you you want him to say babadook yes i want him to say babadook a a couple times yeah i think that might okay because what that's gonna do is that's gonna get some more that's gonna really open up and get some more genre fans uh into the aisles yeah it's a a synergy moment it's synergy have you seen pt i hear there's a babadook in it And it opens literally with a title card that says Friday the 13th. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Greg Smith, thank you so much for coming on. Why do you know that? You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I thought you were asking me again. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'll start again. Appropriate. Just like the game. Thanks so much for having me. This was a real gosh darn delight. I hope I didn't blab too much. Really. No. Of course not. Is there anything that you would like to plug at this time? What do I have to say? SmithLGreg.com has a bunch of stuff I do. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SmithLGreg. If you have Shudder, which is a horror service, you can watch this TV show called The Core, which I wrote for. Um, uh, I don't know. Go vote. 
go get involved in local politics, go protest, go yeah. phone bank, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because you know what? We need to make sure that this country s- stops being the... I want my horror in video games, not in politics. Is that good? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell everyone you know every way you know how. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and be sure to go back and listen to our older episodes if you missed them. We talked about some weird stuff. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Why Do You Know That Pod or on Twitter at Why Do You Know Pod. They're different. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, be sure to email us at Why Do You Know That Pod at gmail.com. Let's do this again sometime. Uh-huh.